0: What is up freaks, it's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt and the immense pleasure of sitting down with Laser Hoddle and Nim with an incredibly cogent argument for why we need to zoom out and focus on the larger theme of monetary reset that we find ourselves in. Maybe don't focus on ESG specifically, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, digital contagion, cyber contagion. Maybe don't focus on all those individual, but zoom out and realize that they are all a part of a monetary reset that we are immersed in and the power structure is attempting to usher us into. Highly recommend you guys stick around for this whole episode. A very, very thought-provoking line of thought here from Laser hoddle incredibly incredibly well thought- out argument for why we should be zooming out and focusing on the concept of monetary reset in our modern age. It certainly has me rethinking my approach to some of the arguments I've been making recently on the this podcast in the newsletter on Twitter, wherever it may be. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. let me know what you think. share it on Twitter. like subscribe. Give us a rating, a review. It all helps go a long way. We're going to turn it up here with the interviews. I know I've been uh, slacking a little bit uh, in recent weeks. been very busy at Great American Mining, traveling for conferences. Don't worry. We're going to turn it back up. Enjoy this. RIP is brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Cash Apps help you stack sets, send sets, receive sets, sell sets. If you so please, we're saying sats, 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 because sats are the standard. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a fraction of Bitcoin. You can stack whole sats instead, and Cash App makes it very easy. You can DCA into sats. You can buy daily, weekly, biweekly. If you want to, set it, forget it, set a set amount, and just buy on that cadence. Cash App will do it automatically. Cash App has their boost program that comes with a personalized debit card that's accepted anywhere. Visa is accepted. They also have a Cashback or sats back program as well. I got sats back. Last week, buying some chicken wings. Chicken wings are are very scarce these days, but I was able to find some. But but more than just chicken wings, uh, it was like fifty dollar tab at the end of the day. I uh, had the five percent sats back boost enabled. I got like sixty five hundred sats just for shopping for some chicken wings. You can do this on the Cash App. If you haven't downloaded the Cash App yet, make sure you do so. Use the code Stacking Sats. That's S T A C K I N G S A T S. You're going to get ten dollars. Ten dollars. Is gonna go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Woo, 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 woo. Owls Lacrosse. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at Huddle 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 Huddle. On the news this week, they had uh, <coughs> they had a, a vulnerability for some of their customers, uh, some of their users who had uh, poor passwords. They had to, to do a an emergency. Uh, stop of some of the, the collateralized loan contracts that they had on their platform. They're working through it. They're very sorry for the uh, poor communication that they had um, uh, in re- reaction to that. A lot of people were confused. They put out a Medium post yesterday. I'll link to that in the show notes um, so you freaks are aware of what's going on there. And They have ongoing audits of the uh, lending contracts and, and their offerings, and, um, so do not fret; they're on the case. I think everybody was affected, has been contacted, and um, things are going as smoothly as they can, considering the uh, the uh, vulnerability with the password, the, the weak password vulnerability. Uh, For you freaks don't know, LendHoddleHoddle is a new non-custodial Bitcoin-backed lending platform. It allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing between users globally, anonymously, and on your own terms. No KYC, no AML. It leverages Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. When you set up a a, a basic lending agreement, you put Bitcoin in a multi-sig address as collateral, and you get stable coins in return. In the multi-sig setup, you have a key. Your counterparty has a key. hodl holds a key. Um, so you always have one key, and that gives you visibility into collateral escrow accounts to make sure that your sats aren't being rehypothecated um so you know that they're there and when you pay your loan back you're going to get those sats back at the end of the day if you're want to enter the other side of that and you want to you have stable coins laying around that you want to get some yield on you can put them up uh to be lent out to these bitcoiners looking for liquidity and again you, you set your own term so you put an interest rate on that and you get uh, your stable coins back with um, some interest on top of that. So create your offers and set your own terms on lend.hodlhodl.com. That's L-E-N-D dot H-O-D-L, H-O-D-L dot This rip is also brought to you by our good friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is here to get more individuals into the hashing game, okay? Uh, the way they do that is you go to compassmining.io, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G dot I-O. Um, you, you pick a miner model, Whichever one you want, whatever is in your, your budget ballpark, uh, you can uh, buy that. They can send it to you. You own that, that uh, ASIC. You can do whatever you want with it. You can have them send it to you directly. You can plug it into your house. Or, however, they have relationships with hosting facilities with competitive energy uh, rates, competitive electricity prices. Excuse me. Um, so you can buy the ASIC, pick a hosting facility. Compass will take care of everything. They'll get the ASIC. They'll send it to that hosting facility. You plug it in. You can have SATs streamed straight to a wallet of your choice. uh, And any time during that hosting, uh, if you want to get your miner back, you you find cheap energy uh, by your locality and you want to plug it in there, you, you can unplug it from the hosting facility and have it sent back to you. On top of that, Compass is doing some great things with their newsletter, with their information services. They have a podcast. They're putting out great content in the mining industry. So go check out all this at compassmining.io, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G dot I-O. We have a special link in the show notes, too, if you guys are thinking about leveraging and using Compass's services. uh, You can use the ref link in the show notes. It helps to show If you want to support the show that way. And you're you're thinking about using compass to mine. It's a great way to do it. Last but not least. This is brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains. B-R-A-I-I-N-S. Okay. We're here to talk about the Brains OS Plus firmware. First up though. The Slush Pool update is live. If you freaks aren't aware yet. It includes ultra flexible payouts. That can be either time based or threshold based. Mining reward splitting. For automatically distributing rewards to multiple wallets. And of course. Dark theme. Meanwhile. Back to Brains OS Plus firmware, uh, the latest update includes full support for AntMiner S17E and T17E as well as some significant improvements to the auto-tuning for all X17 devices. And it's available now at Brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com slash OS slash plus. Brains OS Plus is compatible with any mining pool. There's misconceptions out there. People think that if you use Brains OS Plus firmware, you need to point your hash uh that is leveraging that firmware at Slush Pool. This is not true. You don't need to mine with Slush Pool to use the firmware. But if you do mine with Slush Pool, you're going to get zero percent pool fees uh, with the firmware. Um, pretty good. Pretty good vig there. Since network hash rate is at one year all, excuse me, one year lows due to the China crackdown, rising a bit. We just had an upward difficulty adjustment. Now is a great time for miners to juice up their ASICs with auto-tuning firmware and stack even more sats. For those of you who don't know how it works, it mostly comes down to the silicone and the hashing chips. They're very small variations in the silicon quality of each chip in an ASIC. Uh, typically stock firmwares that come with the machines treat the entire device as a uniform unit, sending the same frequencies and voltages through the hash boards. Brains OS Plus boosts performance by experimenting with different frequencies and voltages on each individual chip to learn which chips are higher quality than others, then it calibrates to send more work to the higher quality chips and less work to the lower quality ones. The end result of this per-chip tuning is more hash and thus more SATs per watt of power consumed. Currently, supported devices are the AntMiner S9, S9i, S9J, as well as the S17, S17+, Plus, S17 Pro, T17, T17+, and the ones just added, the S17e and the T17e. Next up are... The What's Miners, along with S19s from Bits Main. Get me that What's Miner firmware. We need it. We need it. Stay tuned, TM, for more updates on the firmware and slush pool. And check out insights, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S, dot brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S, dot com, for content stats, charts, and mining profitability tools to stay on top of everything happening in the mining world. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this rip. Very important rip, I think. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Okay. What is up, Freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here for another episode of Tales from the Crypt. It's been a while since I've had an interview uh, episode on Tales from the Crypt. I reposted a Great American Mining podcast last week, but I haven't sat down and done a one-on-one Tales from the Crypt interview in some time. Uh, And it's been, gosh, even longer since I've sat down with a nim to discuss some topics. I'm sitting with Laser Hoddle, and we're here to talk about the impending specter of doom and authoritarianism in the world laser hoddle how you doing
1: hey marnie great to be on uh awesome thanks for having me
0: well thank you for coming on i just ninja launched a record on you because it is one of those situations where we were basically recording a podcast before hitting record so we just hastily hit record and i think where uh, we could start this conversation is to hone in on something you just mentioned to me is that ESG is a bit too zoomed in. Like uh, Focusing on ESG is certainly uh, is something that you should be paying attention to, but it is a tentacle and a much larger vampire squid. Uh, and you, you should be focusing on, on the things above that tentacle, the brain controlling it. Uh, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, I, wh- what I mean is that Well, if you look at the last 18 months um, as a society, we've been very zoomed in and reactionary to everything that's coming our way. And so you might look at the pandemic and say that um, uh, every little step of of the pandemic has been a reaction to something that was flung at us. Um, And you might look at ESGs and say, okay, we see ESGs coming down the pipeline and we're just purely reacting to what we see. Um, But if you zoom out, Uh, if you zoom out and and take a different viewpoint, it allows you to be more intelligent about how you approach the next uh, eight, nine years. And the reason I say eight, nine years is I believe that we're going through monetary reset. Monetary reset lasts about six to 10 years. And um, I think we're about two years into it now. And I think it will conclude around 2030. And so my message, the message that I've had with this nim is to stop, zoom out, view everything through monetary reset, view everything through the opportunistic scramble to redefine the monetary order and the the hierarchy of, of powers, including who is hegemon next, and um, and then think about all the curveballs that are coming your way through that. And that'll let you have a far more intelligent conversation about what is happening. And then also what we should do about that.
0: So let's define monetary reset. Who is resetting? Who are the, the, players involved. That's one thing that I was really excited to speak with you about is you've done, you've just been following and documenting uh, the posturing, particularly from the likes of the World Economic Forum and uh, Bank of International Settlements and even p- private companies, the, the tech sector like Stripe, they, um, they they sort of have an idea for this digital panopticon um, run on a central d- bank digital currency. What is the plan in your opinion and why are they moving so hastily now? Cause that's one thing I may push back on is like, I don't know if it's going to take that long. I think these people are, are fumbling mm-hmm. in ways that, that are showing that the emperor wears no clothes. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So I like to think about it. Uh, okay. So the first central bank late 1600s and they got into fractional reserve uh, business and this is the Amsterdam uh banking co and uh that had some that fell apart because um they became too exuberant with their uh newly crafted uh uh powers right and uh the tradition has carried on since then it's the powers have become more and more exuberant in the ability to um perpetrate time theft across the people that deal in those monies and so um what emerged out of central banking is two cycles everyone knows the business cycle the short cycle and and you kind of had this um, this boom period, and then a recession. And and um, you know, funny enough, even people on the left, progressives, um, get it right. You remember Occupy Wall Street? People were very upset that all these uh, banks were being bailed out. So so everyone, even uh, millennials, even younger people, really understand the business cycle, and and the there's kind of an unfairness and injustice in that. But you got to keep the business cycle going around. Uh, fewer people tend to know about the the long cycle. Uh, The long cycle is what happens uh, when you drive a debt-based economy uh, using a money printer, using Keynesian economics, is that you expand it and then at some point you you can no longer prevent it from imploding. You can no longer prevent it from falling uh, apart. And that seems to take between 60 and 80 years. And so what you could do is you can say, okay, for the last 400 years, um, you could look at history in in terms of long cycles, um, as opposed to uh, you know some people view it as like uh, wars, and they view you know they have these different uh, historical events that they view the narrative through. But but I argue that you should actually be viewing things in terms of long cycles. And what seems to happen is um, the financial system that props up the world that allows the world to interact with each other. Um, It becomes clear to all the insiders that that is going to crater and fall apart. And the people that sit at the reins of the system that steer the long cycle, uh, they basically are called into work and they have to do something that's fairly tedious and uh, expensive. What they have to do is they have to tear down the current long cycle and preempt the next long cycle with a narrative. If they don't do that, then the next long cycle will be emergent. And that's the enemy of central planning is, you know, free emergence of, of, of a, uh, almost like a, 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 what society would look like if you allowed the free market to actually determine it. Um, and so for the, the folks that steered the long cycle, and, you know, this is a little hand wavy, but what I would say is, is probably. The private shareholders of the central banks of the world, the industries of Titan, the, the Titan of Industries, and probably the top statesmen. This is who steers the long cycle. Um, if they don't do this, then they aren't able to control and 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 really guide society where they want. And so that's how I view it. I think um, history is punctuated by monetary reset and long cycles and so where are we now well we're at the end of a long cycle and if you have this framing you would expect to see the people that steer the log cycle emerging to tear this one down and inject a narrative for the next long cycle and so what do you see you see Davos, man, you see the World Economic Forum for the last 10 years working their way up with this UN 2030, this great reset, this, this sort of narrative of what society is going to need to look like um, if we're all going to get along and, uh, you know, have a productive uh, uh, sort of desirable world. Are you with me so far? Yes, sir. And so that's exactly what we do see, right? But you would also expect to see the signals of the current long cycle being torn down. And I think that we are seeing that. Um, In in the past, if you look at previous long cycles, the way that you would tear it down is by creating a a conflict, um, a a sort of set of fear events, chaos, large enough that people would be so um, they would be so preoccupied with their own fear and safety that you could basically um, excavate the productive capital of the last, you know, 60 to 80 years using money printing. So you could hyperinflate the currencies and you can take as many hard assets as, as you're able to. And people would be so uh, preoccupied with sort of sheltering, sheltering in place and this kind of we're all in this together atmosphere and at least we're going to make it through that afterwards they would simply say it couldn't be helped. Oh, it couldn't be helped. And you look at World War One and World War II and you know, people were just grateful to be into you know, the next <laughs> chapter of society. So, um, well, what's different now? Well, nuclear arms have proliferated heavily, right? And so I don't think the old model of, of causing you know, chaos uh, in order to um, keep people distracted while you extract their wealth, um, while you completely reshape society, while you're the only one with a cohesive narrative for what the next monetary order is going to be based on, I don't think that model can work anymore. Um, the, the weaponry is, is, is too strong and too uh, broadly distributed. And so, you might look at the last two years and say, are we looking at a new model of tearing down the long cycle?
0: You know? hmm Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a very clear explanation of, of what I believe is going on, too. So, a few things here. Division over the last four years, specifically, like Trump, race, covid now vaccines um and yeah basically those those four have been um the biggest drivers of division like distractions if you will of the populace uh, the power structure using a divide and conquer tactic to have people quabbling between each other when they should really be focused on the true source of their plight which would be this power structure i believe we would argue so with that being said to play devil's advocate here The men steering the ship, that's the biggest pushback I get when I dive into these theories and explaining how I believe reality works, which is very much aligned with what you just described. And the the biggest pushback I'll get personally, is there is no men steering the ship. They not coordinate uh, they coordinate. If you understand what these bureaucrats are actually like in real life, they're incompetent politicians that can never coordinate something like this to do a monetary reset and a transition to a new monetary regime. They're, they're simply not capable of doing something like that. What would you say to that
1: critique? Yeah, oh yeah. Come on, Marty, there's no cabal. And I think that um, that is actually Believe it or not, the correct way to think about it, you know, the criticism of any sort of um, any sort of thesis that looks at um, a party or group, a, a smallish group of people that are steering the, these cycles through narrative crafting, through um, uh, disaster engineering, these type of things, is that come on, society is so complex. If you know anything about um, uh, a complex distributed systems. This is all just incentives, right? There can't be it. There's no one behind the curtain. And I think the the truth is 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 probably somewhere in between. Um, so, so what what you have is you have uh, a bunch of central banks throughout the world that more or less control society because they uh, are are the ones that can perpetrate time theft and and they can. Uh, pay people with the money that they print. And so that tends to let you live above the the law and it tends to let you um, decide the important things about society. Now, um, the thing is, it's not known who the private owners of these banks are. And if you know anything about um, the way that Keynesian economics works, you know that it has strong centralizing effects and so if I were to look at anything in society, in this soft money society, it tends towards monopoly, okay? So in any industry where you have uh, the ability to make these regulatory moats and these ability to you know, get closer to the money printing, um, that has a very strong centralizing effect. So for me, it seems just basic you know, logic that the private owners of these banks would tend towards smaller groups of people that wish to stay the private owners of the money printing uh, mechanism of the world, and it would also go to reason that the top statesmen and the top industry titans would also wish to stay in the in club in that small um, table. You know, I think I heard a shaman say one time that there's a small group of people that decide. So, is that a cabal? I don't know that it's a cabal. I think it's more something like a. Um, you know, multi-hundred-year set of in-the-know families who happen to own uh, some, some things that allow them to stay there and then industry titans and statesmen that want to be in that small club. I don't view it as a cabal. I actually do view it as a set of strong incentives in a soft-money world. It's, it's basically the top, uh, the top heirs of the Cantillon effect. Um, do not wish to be dethroned And so they show up to work every 60 to 80 years because their primary job is to manage these long cycles and to manage monetary reset. So they let us go to war. They let us have conflicts while they um, inject a narrative for the next long cycle. They um, negotiate what the monetary hierarchy is for the next chapter of the world. They help choose who is going to be hegemon, the reserve currency. And so that's kind of how I view it. It's, it's real incentives that has the natural Cantillon effect of monopolizing functions of society. And in this case, the function is the ability to print money. Um, it's my view that you know, it's quite laborious to manage the long cycle, to steer it. And right now they have all these central banks. I think what we might be seeing is that they're streamlining, they're merging. They don't want all the central banks. They want a handful. They want it to be fewer, condensed, easier, more automated. They don't want to work quite as hard to manage society. And so I think that might be what we're seeing. But yeah, it's no cabal. I don't think it's a cabal. I think that is, um, I think people are trying to discredit the idea that the monetary order has a strong centralizing effect because of money printing.
0: Mm the just natural mechanism of that system tends towards centralization and of power on the back end. And then industry players and bankers and politicians who want to get close to that, that table of power, which makes a lot of sense and agree. But, and so now I have many thoughts running through my head. I'll just list them off and they're going to take us down different paths, but, just while I have them fresh. Uh, first is the, me- the the thing that like, creeps me out the most is the coordinated messaging, particularly around like Build Back Better and the, the exploitation of the COVID pandemic to use that as a jumping off point to Build Back Better trademark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then number two, you mentioned like you basically have these strong power player families uh, that every sixty to eighty years, the the new heirs are tasked with with monitoring and facilitating the transition to the next long cycle. Uh, are the heirs getting getting like Are they getting sloppy? Are they getting incompetent? Are they not what their their uh, grandfathers, great grandfathers, grandmothers were? Because um, again, the maybe it's a combination of the you overt messaging that is seems coordinated to a certain level like how bad it is uh and the fact that we have the internet now doesn't make this transition nearly impossible as more individuals like ourselves can facilitate and, and communicate information between each other in much more efficient and in global fashion
1: yep well i think y- you kind of have two pieces you have like the who and and it's it's not very important the precise who to be completely honest. You, you want an idea of of well you want you want a basic um, framing, which is to say the state as long as the state has existed has partnered um, with banking uh, because it's a critical uh, a function of control and productivity and, and and being able to leverage that is absolutely paramount. And so you know for two thousand plus years. Um, the state has partnered with uh, uh, banking cl- intimately, closely, and that mechanism has evolved. And uh, the industry men behind that, the craftsmen that have evolved the Keynesian banking system, um, uh, is the same set of people. It's not a you know distributed you know high competition area, right? I think that's safe to say. And so that's that's the sense of, of the who and I the framing of like the heirs. You know, it's. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek it's you know it's kind of like uh, uh um uh, you know framing it that way makes it feel like it's very cabalish yeah. but the fact is it's probably not far from the case the fact is uh, it, it is a multi-generational uh, um, monopolistic industry that is passed down um through a a you know not a broad and diverse and well-known and public set of competitors right this is not you know, this is not like um, uh, Silicon Valley, where you have startups vying to be the next uh, private owners of the central banks and and partnered with the state intimately. So I think that's the basic framing of the who, and but the what is far more important. The what is, and, and, and so if you can, you can understand that if you can shape uh, your viewpoint to say, okay, this is what we're experiencing is not. You know, a, a Marxist uprising in the US. We're not experiencing a, a terrifying pandemic, right? Globally, we're not. Ex- what we're experiencing is monetary reset. And then you could say, well, what is their vision for the next chapter? And if you could understand that, then you could tie everything you're seeing to how they would achieve each different component of the next chapter and um luckily for us and this seems to be new is uh they're just telling us <laughs> um you nice. know it's it's not it's not behind closed doors it's all you you can simply just um, listen to them and and so it's you don't have to take my word for it you can go uh, to the world economic forum which is uh, a davos uh, think tank of all these um uh, industry uh, titans and heads of state and 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 also the uh, <laughs> The, the banking uh, uh, multi-generational families that, that, that I believe are, are probably uh, most likely to be the ones that steer the, the long cycle. And they go in and they think tank what, what they want uh, the next uh, long cycle to look like. What's the narrative? And so um, they're telling us that it's uh, the, the Great Reset. And um, so you would say, why the Great Reset? Like, what is the basis that society will accept that? And then what exactly is it? And the, the, the basis that we'll accept, it seems to be two things. Um, th- there seems to be two strategies that they're using. Um, one is these kind of Malthusian um, fear spells. So when I say Malthusian, um, what I mean is there's a fundamental fear of overpopulation that um, if we get too large, it's gonna be this uh, um, really miserable uh, experience on earth where um, we've kind of defiled nature, and there's not really enough to go around, and, and we're not able to out-innovate ourselves out of it, so it's this kind of hell-on-earth scenario that these um, uh, that these people uh, kind of sit around with their cocktails and worry about and have been worrying about for a long time now, okay? And there's a lot of things that come out of those Malthusian, that Malthusian view, and so um, you know, something like a climate change, which is like, okay, how could we really get into the the minds of people of earth and and convince them that their existence is kind of selfish right and they should be quite scared about how we're behaving as a species and so malthus uh uh, the climate change is a really good malthusian um uh, fear spell because it kind of it gets people in the attitude of like oh my gosh we are we need to change drastically as a society everything needs we need to stop everything um, and so you get a lot of these like uh, things that make it feel like we're heading towards the end of the, the earth. And, and um, you know, whether climate is changing or not, and, and it seems clear to me that obviously it is, that, the, you know, the earth is not static, nothing is static and that there would be uh, cycles. But um, as far as I can tell, looking at uh, the data from sort of the globalist sponsored scientists, as well as the, um, the, the people who sit back and look at the empirical, empirical evidence, Um, you know these same people were fear-mongering about uh, ice ages you know not that long ago now they're fear-mongering about um, sort of uh, seawater rise and and desertification and so um, uh, yeah I I don't find the the, um, human man-made climate change um, fear spell to be quite uh, convincing um, just because you know well, if COVID kind of woke you up, it's easy to look at that and say, wait, how, 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 how real is that? Um, and so, you know, but, but that's a very efficacious, uh, fear spell, right. To, to, to base a narrative on, right. People are genuinely scared that, um, you know, the ocean's going to be in their backyard. They're genuinely scared that, um, you know, the, that uh let's say Florida will be completely underwater they're scared that um the the there'll be no more trees or, or something of this nature right
0: yeah, despite the fact that particularly with like the the desertification it's going in the complete opposite direction um again you've probably heard me tweet and talk about this if you listen to the podcast like uh the if it's a climate emergency, like why have climate related deaths fallen by 98% over the last hundred years? They are really using that fear tactic again, but people fall for it. Hook, line and sink here. It's crazy.
1: It's, it's, it's very convincing. It's very compelling. And, and, but, but the fact of the matter is, is that, um, well, uh, the ability of, of humans to adapt is is much stronger than people believe, and the ability for capital markets to to seamlessly adapt, and, and the ability of innovation to, to help humans um, navigate the the actual changes of Earth, and is is much greater than people uh, give, give give it stock. And um, the fact is, the hubris of of man to think that we can um, we can control any of this is is to me kind of funny, right? It's the same hubris that says, uh, let's stop everything and, and um, uh, defeat a seasonal influenza. <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny, really. It's scary to
0: think, ah, two weeks to flatten the curve, we're gonna kill this virus. Like looking back now, somebody too, like I, especially when the videos, the propaganda videos or whatever they turned out to be coming out of China, I was scared shitless. You do have that lizard brain reaction to these invisible things whether it be terrorism a virus climate change uh that it, it is like you do have to actively attempt to filter and restrain not restrain yourself but realize when somebody's playing to those malthusian tendencies
1: yeah in march and april of 2020 it felt like there were these imagery and, and sort of red flags coming out of China. And it felt like the world was not seeing it. So the people that consider themselves ahead of the curve, consider themselves sort of uh, warriors of empirical evidence were like raising the alarm. Like uh, this is concerning over here. Does no one see this? Right. And that's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. Now you look and it's kind of embarrassing because um, uh, the, 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 propaganda seems so blatant and so obvious um, that it's how uh, could we have fallen for it. Um, but, you know, here we are again, where it looks like they're going to try and do lockdown season V2. And it's the same thing. It's like, will people really fall for this. And, and it, it might be they will. Right. So um, they're very potent um, uh, narratives. And, and the pandemic is another Malthusian fear spell it's this oh my gosh we're not centrally planned enough we're too big and chaotic right and now that's going to be the end of us so let's huddle in under the state and reorganize society (laughs) you know and and uh it's exactly what it is and so you have climate change you have um uh, uh, uh pandemics is another potent fear spell and so what i think is is happening is that the, the, let's just call them the, the Malthusian elite, the, the people that steer the long cycle knew they had a particular challenge uh, this go round with nuclear arms proliferated so heavily. They can't do the simple old, create a big uh, geoglobal conflict and then you know use the optics of that to, to, to establish a new era. Right? Um, and so I think they're throwing a bunch at the wall to see what's stuck. And I think climate change is stuck. It's very effective. And I think the pandemic thing is a grand slam. I think they're they're absolutely thrilled with how well that's working. Um, so I think they have their new model. Um, and it's not just the Malthusian fear spells. The, the other component seems to be these kind of, um, the, the best way I can describe it is like a, like Marxist feel goodisms, um, which is to say, um, Create this class division, this kind of oppressed versus oppressor uh, narrative, and and really feed into the the human tendency to want to believe themselves to be a victim, because um, you can capture very large uh, swaths of society with that strategy, and so you know the 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 idea that there's um, th- th- this narrative uh, about sort of kind of like a white supremacy thing. Like it's no longer about um, like in the Soviet Union it was uh, the productive versus the worker, right? The, the, the capital owners versus the, the the employees and they created the class division that way. But now we have kind of the the um, people of color versus the kind of the white uh, uh, class and, and stuffed in the white class is kind of like certain types of Asians and white people, I guess, versus People that are supposedly um, uh, oppressed by them, and so you have all these things with like critical race theory, and all these really um, strange but um, uh, uh, seductive um, academia that has infected a lot of people's minds. And I think so they're clamoring for change, and they're clamoring for a new order. You have the environment people clamoring for a new order. Give me what I want. Give us the what we need as society to to get out of this uh, this nightmare. And then now you have the, uh, the pandemic people that are clamoring for give me a safe society, give me something where I don't have to live uh, in fear. And so um, th- this is the how, this is, this is what I believe th- the tools are that they're using to um, shake things up and get people uh, primed and ready and really cheering and wanting and hoping for this new, um, this new uh, beast, this new thing. And, and so, well, th- well, I guess we should talk about the what like what exactly is the great Reset? what what is it um do you want to jump on the how before we go there
0: yeah like one thing i would like it's just like a couple comments on what you just said is so i would even add like trump into it like trump was a huge thing we got like a new hitler that was like the precursor to everything you just described and then throw on top of that what they're probably in the second inning of revving up which is the the Uh, cyber contagion Mm -hmm. that's going on as well and so I guess the only comment I would have or maybe even a question is maybe it's because I'm attuned to observing all of this and and finding these patterns but it seems like they're desperate and they're doing everything at once in haste and it's getting to a point where it's like all right, this is even normies could take a step back and be like what the fuck's going on here like
1: this is Yeah. Well, and I think we all have, uh, like family members or friends who are like, listen, I'm just trying to get along, get through this, but like, I, what's actually going on? Like we're normal people are kind of seeing the, um, seeing the kind of tear in the matrix, so to speak, where they're like, w- w- wait a second, like, I'm not even focusing on this, but there's some things that are worrying and don't add up. I mean, <laughs> you like know?
0: The vaccine stuff now that like, even if you're vax, you got to wear a mask and and blah 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 but it's like wait a sec you told me if i got it it'd be fine and we'd go back yeah, to the
1: exactly they're feeling that they're feeling the um the 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 grift where it's and it's the same the the logical circles that make that are really painful to hold in your in your head where it's like okay um you know if the vaccines work why have a vaccine passport and if, if they don't work then um, why have a vaccine passport and you know it's funny it's it's china developed a a societal tortural, torture torture uh, tactic that that sort of weaned people into their form of authoritarianism and it's exactly that it's it's make people scared and then give them lots of conflicting societal directions until they basically are on their knees asking you know begging for consistency give me a consistent clear straight cut just tell me what the rules are so i can proceed with my life mm-hmm. and it that might be part of it and i I think you hit on one thing. So, one of the kind of techniques is the, um, you know, you've seen the meme with, the, with the, the NPCs, you know, this is very bad for our democracy. And, and I think um, this is a classic kind of security state, uh, ABCs kind of uh, divide and conquer technique. With, and, and I think that is really what politics are, right? It's, they understand that the demographics, there's kind of two value systems. And so then they can create uh, oppositely shaped narratives to keep them angry at each other. And, and so, um, you know, I, I worked in tech in the city and I can tell you that most people view inflation as like the tax that rich people cannot escape. And so it's just, right? And they, they think that, they genuinely think that like Putin was somehow taking over the United States through Trump. Like really actually think that. And then I, well, you, you know it's, it's real. It's real. So it's worked. So, you know, the ABCs has them in their narrative grasp, right? And they're sort of, and they're just ready to be spoon fed whatever they need to be told to do. But once you have someone there, it's easy to, to control them, right? Now, unfortunately, I think the same is true of conservatives. I think, um, you know, they figured out a way to get Donald Trump in people's hearts. So it felt like he was fighting for them. But then mm-hmm. if you read between the lines, um, who, who, who was sort of pushing forward vaccines? Who, in the end, stepped back and didn't really change anything with the election? People had this feeling of like, oh, it seemed like we were slow rolled. It seemed like instead of being, you know, flipping over the table, our concerns, our fears, our anger, our passion was spread out over, it was diluted and spread out over four years. And that's still what's ha- happening. Uh, it seems like with the the kind of hopium around uh, voting. And what I can tell you is that um, if you look at other countries, um, like when Chavez was installed in Venezuela, um, he didn't really give people the chance, the opportunity to, to take the country back after. And so I wouldn't really expect in the US to see like You know, oh, we're back in it, baby. We're back to like, you know, put your hopes in in the federal election. And, you know, I wouldn't expect that. That would surprise me.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you just hit on something dead on there, which is, I mean, Trump specifically conservatives are certainly as guilty as uh, uh, the the liberals um, in believing things hook, line and sinker. And Trump, obviously very divisive and very strong backing. He seemed like the the politician that was there to destroy the the power structure as we knew it and and speak for mm-hmm. the common man. But I think you hit on it like the vaccine stuff, particularly operation warp speed literally like is arguably the reason why uh, so many people have taken an experimental vaccine that is proving maybe proving to have adverse side effects or something less uh, a bit less benign than that or more benign excuse me than that uh that just being ineffective if you will um potentially it could be to the point where it's actually really bad and it makes the virus more virulent it's a theory that's been going around the last couple weeks but the, the the handling of that transition of the vaccine rollout is pretty poetic from those steering the ship. I mean, while Trump was in office and he was pushing operation warp speed, everybody on the left was like, I'm not gonna take that vaccine. I'm not gonna take that vaccine. It's a Trump vaccine. Like, I gotta stay away. And as soon as Biden gets in office and they take the baton for the vaccine rollout, they're like, we're gonna vaccine the most uh, of any country. We're gonna have 70% of Americans vaccinated by July 4th of this year.
1: Just like, yeah. And you can see where they're they're being completely uh, used, where, you know, they're cheering for things they're cheering for the type of things that you see in like a genocide event. And so they've been completely, um, the mind virus is completely uh, hooked in where they wanna see apartheid, they wanna see the rounding up, they wanna see forced medicine. And these are the notes of things that you see um, before like a genocide. And so, you know, it's just, it goes to show that 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 basic game of, of, putting people into two belief systems and making them uh, believe that they're fighting each other is very useful to the, to the, the greater uh, crafting of societal narratives and the steering of the long cycle, because um, you know, yeah, how the roles flip, the vaccines is the the, the best um, way to uh, uh, it really exposes that now don't get me wrong. I, I, I you know, I liked, Trump for reasons. Um, it, I, it is nice when a politician says the things you care about. It's that's just not the same as those things manifesting in real life. And but, but I will give Trump credit for um, uh, keeping people distracted uh, on politics long enough that Bitcoin uh, really seemed to uh, uh, get deep roots in the um, financial uh, sector and amongst larger monies. Uh, within the united states so i think that that was probably his prime accomplishment um that uh you know now we're in a place where a lot of industry is in looking at putting on balance sheets countries are in and so while people were you know going completely occupied with that bitcoin was you know changing the world and so i think that that's probably the, the most important thing but yeah the way that um you know it's almost as if trump was kind of the Slow roll for the centrists, and you had like kind of like a, a the QAnon kind of thing was like the slow roll for the people who felt even more strident, and th- but they both had the same outcome, which is you you exhausted your emotion and passion for it over a very long period of time, and then they disappeared. Uh-huh. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you're right that the the, uh, the 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 kind of like. The game of, of politics is a really old grift, and that's coming into play here. It's not just the pandemic. It's not just the environment uh, fear spell. Um, it's not just the Marxist kind of uh, game. It's, it's it really is all of these. And then um, you you mentioned the the cyber pandemic. And so for, for folks who who haven't heard that yet, um, so the World Economic Forum, they um, you know all these people at Davos, they. Uh, they run these tabletop exercises where they say, okay, not that it's going to happen, but, uh, well, you know, if That's the world, <laughs> yeah, not that it's going to happen, but if the world plummeted into a a pandemic and like, you know, what would we do and how would we handle that? And what kind of society would you end up with? And so then they announced all that and then COVID happened and every, everything that they predicted is, is what's going on. And so they were very prescient. It was like, wow, that seems, um, not uh, uh, likely, (laughs) but it happened. And so then these same folks, you know, come out at the end of next year saying, okay, now we're going to be getting a new pandemic, but not of the virus sort of the computer breakdown sort of the mass kind of, um, and they're calling it a cyber pandemic of a a, um, cyber attack that would make uh, COVID seem like a small nuisance. It would be nothing in comparison. And so then if you've paid attention, you see that they've really ramped up, they've been laying the bed, the groundwork for uh, um, a big disruption. And 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 then you would zoom out and you say, why would the the steers of the long cycle need a big disruption? And usually it's for conditioning, right? Um, so you could look back at like a nine eleven and say, well, what was the difference before and after? And the difference was, is we had movement passes after between countries, um, and so you needed to have like a government ID, and 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 now they have computer chips in them, and uh, and you need that to go between countries, and you can say, okay, what's the difference between? Um, COVID before and after, and it looks a little bit like the difference is going to be, well, you'll need movement passes to move within like your city and your town you and go to a grocery store, uh, you know, travel between states. And so, okay. So the movement passes are becoming more and more prevalent. And um, okay. So then what would um, like a big cyber pandemic do? Um, well, as we saw with COVID, they don't actually have to do that much for society to Uh, do the rest. (laughs) You know, it's a pretty small event. And then society will take it from there. And we will have our hysteric kind of um, uh, follow through that the same that you saw with, you know, it doesn't take much uh, mainstream media to just sort of keep the fire blazing until society kind of falls apart. And so you you can imagine, um, you know, whether, you know, whether it's a sort of mass zero day hack, or maybe it's this collusion where a bunch of Um, cronyists who are were promised sort of forever monopolies in the new long cycle where they all decide to shut down important things but they're foreshadowing a a big societal disruption that will kick off a new hysterical fear cycle where people will basically demand that we need to change society in some important way to restore trust Um, so the same thing that uh, vaccine passports movement passports are sort of aiming to do to restore trust and being able to leave your house. Um, I, I suspect that what we'll see is they'll want you to use that same kind of government ID, this kind of ID that's emerging digital ID um, in order to access your devices and use the internet. And, and so, you know, they could say, okay we had this cyber pandemic. Now the internet is no longer a trusted space. We need to kind of vaccinate the internet and restore trust and so um, As a Bitcoiner, the way that you can think of this is is kind of like, it's like a KYC everything uh, world where you need constant real-time state permission to perform your natural rights, right? So you need state permission to uh, move, you need state permission to enter businesses and you need state permission to use the internet and communicate and and use your devices. And, and, you know, that's what I think we're looking at here. and I think that's the point of all of this. I think that's the actual um, uh, what they want the next long cycle to be about, which is to say, uh, Marty Bent, you have a, a, um, a, a digital ID in a, um, a global distributed blockchain of a coalition of great reset countries that run a single database for global citizens IDs. You have your ID in there. And you use that to authorize against the basic things you do in your life. Um, and then uh, you would have a score and uh, based on your behavior, how well you are, you know, pleasing the state or whatever you're, how well you're a model citizen um, that would determine if you could continue to do those things. Um, and it gets really freaky with CB, uh, uh, central bank digital currencies as well, tied to that where that's also your wallet now, this sounds gnarly what i just said that sounds crazy (laughs) do you want (laughs) do you agree or do you think i'm onto something i
0: mean i I agree that it sounds crazy but i also agree that this is their plan and like we said and we have been saying they're saying this all out in the public yes you had a thread that it says it's a bit borked, but you've been highlighting when they've been saying this in public and directly from the World Economic Forum and then from titans of industry. So Stripe being one of them, they already have a blueprint for this, correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. So you have um, Stripe, which is they are already rolling out Global Citizen um, uh, uh, real-time KYC that other tech companies could integrate so that would replace login, right? And so you could imagine uh, um, going to Twitter and saying like, oh, you actually you're going to log in with your global citizens ID. And you go, oh, and most people won't really understand the implications of that because um, they probably won't roll out the, the the carrot and stick aspect of it. They'll phase it, right? Oh, that's nice. I didn't like making passwords anyways, right? Okay. And, and Clear has the, um, they're productizing it in such a way that businesses could do the same thing. And so it's not it's not the government saying, Hey, we're forcing you to do it. It's the private sector going, Hey, we're adopting this really great product that will restore trust in our business and restore trust online. And so, you know, you could imagine, uh, like not being able to check out an Amazon with it, with your, your global citizens ID, being able to check out, uh, or being able to use an Uber with it, but you also could imagine not being able to without it. Right. You could imagine the phasing of this and, and, um, so yeah, that's what I, I I think we're looking at. And if you view it from that point of view that um, the entirety of everything you're seeing over the last um, two years and what you'll probably will continue to see over the next um, uh, eight years is about um, r- basically usurping the nation state in cyberspace um, with a new nation uh, based on uh, digital ID, where you authorize, where your natural rights are rewarded to you based on loyalty, and, and, and based on playing the, f- the physical game theory that they create for you. The, you know, the, they, they create the bounds of your existence and you play it and that's how they know if you're a good global citizen or not. You know, can you travel to the Bahamas? Can you go do all these nice things? Or are you, are you an outcast? Are you, you know, are you sort of down leveled in society? To me, uh, that seems to be the goal. And and that's a pretty lofty and exciting goal to the Malthusian elite, because it allows them to usurp uh, law on paper. It allows them to usurp the nation state. Um, It makes it where, well, it's it's incredibly compelling, but I also, like, not only are they telling us this, um, I have to remind Westerners that um, even though this sounds outlandish, the you know this is actually not new. I mean what all, all you have to do is look into China. and so in China you have a, a digital ID and you have a social score and you off against the state as you move between neighborhoods and you off against the state to get online and you off um, to access to, to shop and and um, they have billboards that that are um, sort of highlighting model citizens and shaming uh, uh, negative citizens, and they have. So, so, so another way to think about it is um, a Chinese citizen. Uh, their life is based on their social score, and there are checkpoints, government checkpoints, in every single action they take. And um, so, I, you know, again, if I view this in terms of long cycle crafting, and I view this in terms of uh, Monetary reset. I think what might have actually happened is that after World War II, um, the, the authoritarian academia uh, formed uh, UN and formed the World Economic Forum. They folded uh, the fascist academia into uh, communist academia and they went into the lab in China, you know, pun intended. And they kind of cultivated this height, this new version of authoritarianism. And they see that it's very effective. And now they're exporting it to us during this monetary reset. And so they're using the Malthusian fear spells and the Marxist goodisms as the, the key to unlock the door. But the system itself is not that science fiction. It is actually, well, it's literally uh, what they have in China. And, and, and so um, that helps people kind of be grounded a little more. It's like, wait a second. They're exporting the Chinese flavor, the Chinese variant of authorita- authoritarianism uh, to the West. Yes. That, that is what I think is going on in this monetary recy- reset.
0: I mean, I, I've said many times this episode, I think we completely... Agree there. I mean, just it seems again they're literally choreographing it. You just have to listen and read what they they say and write. I think they're planning this out.
1: And, you and so you could
0: and you'll be happy,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. And and so you could look and say, okay, um, you know, why didn't why didn't communism work in in Soviet Union and why didn't it work in Venezuela? And I, I think the, the key insight that authoritarian's learned during those experiments was that um, when the, the state takes over the means of production entirely, well, it's very hard to run industry. It's very hard to run companies. Um, so the state usually fails at that and they end up just selling the country's uh, raw resources to import the goods they need for their citizens. And that's a, that's a, a, a path to ruin, right? Um, it doesn't work and so that, that's why um, Venezuela and, and the Soviet Union uh, failed because, at the end of the day, they just sell what the country has, and people are, you know, the, the shelves are empty, and it's a very, it's a very uh, not ideal situation. Um, and, and so, you could see when they tried again in China, and they said, okay, let's let's reiterate. You know, I think they're iterating like you know, like a, a tech company would. You know, they do another iteration. The, the key insight was, well, they saw that. Um, Germany, the state partnered with um, the industry titans instead of replacing them. So they didn't send them out and and genocide them. They actually, they said, hey, you are now partnered with the state. And so what China seemed to have done differently is they allow capitalism in order for industry to form and to to take root and to start to change society. And then when they get of a certain size, they go knock on the door and they say, congrats, you are now married to the state. And um, so the shape of authoritarianism in China is, on the back end, it's kind of a high-tech fascism. And what I mean by that is the, the state is married to the various industries. And um, and, and then on the front end, it's a social score based communism. Um, and, and, and so this is what I mean when I say, after World War II, the, uh, the authoritarian academia folded fascism into communism because um well if you're aiming to have like a global version of this which is I think what's going on they're exporting it to the globe um you need something that the masses general like it you need a poison pill that the masses will take and that's communism. That's the idea that like hey um you know we just need to make this fair for everyone, right? And that's a very, <laughs> you know, that's a really compelling thing for the average person to hear. You're like, yeah, that's, that is right. But the, the, the big insight is that, um, well, you need to partner, you need to allow um, a two-tier society where there is a tier of society that are capitalists, that enjoy all the flourishing of being, right? That aren't serfs. And so um, I think this explains why, um, People like Larry Fink, BlackRock, and um, uh, all, all the all the you know this explains why all you see all these heads of industry and tech tripping over each other um, because I think what's happening is behind the scenes they're being courted by the state and I and they're being promised a forever monopoly in the next long cycle, so I think. Um, You know the state's been married to banking for 400 years, and they've enjoyed this forever monopoly. But now it looks like with central bank digital currencies that they're actually going to absorb that function entirely. Mm -hmm. And so they're courting a new um, set. uh, uh, They're courting a new uh, partner, and I think it's in big tech. And so, I think that's why you see um, these industry titans going crazy excited. For uh, the next chapter, they're excited to 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 kind of create this uh, this self existence because they will be living that high tier of flourishing and per- and no competition, that permanent monopoly. I think, you know, funny enough, the people that like authoritarians the, the the most are crony capitalists. They're cronyists. They they you know, it's very hard to compete. It's very hard to produce value or perish. Um, and and people who enjoy wealth don't you know, especially people of low ethics do not like that. And so um, this is what I think. I think this monetary reset is basically all these great reset countries, um, like the 180 of them are excited that um, they were importing that that sort of totalitarian high-tech Chinese system to the world, we're finally usurping you know, nat- the nationalist states, so you won't have a nation state, and we'll finally be able to solve all the problems, and, and they will be cemented in this permanent two-tiered society, just like China. In China, there's two tiers. If you're in the top, you love it; it's great. If you're in the the flourishing, you know, forever monopoly part of society, and if you're not, it's it's not so great, and you know, it's a it's a huge uh, a pain on on the, your soul, I imagine. Um, and so. That, that is what I believe the great reset is. And, and, and so, but there's a couple things that they didn't plan on um, and they didn't, and, and that are proving challenging. And I think this goes into what you were saying before which is, are they getting sloppy? And so here's what's different um, or here's what gives me hope and makes me kind of excited and bullish as well. Um, they didn't plan on Bitcoin, first of all. They didn't plan on unstoppable money kind of taking root and growing and growing because throughout the world there are plenty of countries who drew the short stick in the monetary order and they know in the next long cycle they're drawing the short stick again and it sucks to try and grow your country and you're eating other countries inflation as they're importing it to you as they're exporting it to you excuse me so you see like el salvador where it's kind of like yeah okay let's just not in this anymore and i expect that to continue that's a massive deal they didn't count on um uh, how tricky the us actually would be right now there's kind of this balkanization effect occurring where
0: uh-huh.
1: people are like you know what uh, florida and texas are looking real good and texas today just uh, banned vaccine passports and florida banned critical race theory and replaced it with you know like this nationalist Um, uh, education and and, you know uh, you have these two-way sanctuaries right where they're like uh, yeah we're not going to enforce anything on guns and so I think um, they probably knew tackling the U.S. was going to be really hard but um, well this balkanization effect seems to be taking hold and people are just being attracted naturally like I don't want to do another lockdown season I don't want to have to carry around my medical records to like go to the grocery store or get a job and so people are just um, attracted to the states that are standing up for natural rights. And so, you know, part of me thinks you might see kind of like a renaissance thing like you did with Florence and you had these kind of sovereign cities and be- because it creates a feedback loop where capitalists are attracted to one place. And, th- and then it's really hard to do your totalitarian thing when you have all this flourishing happening right next door. <laughs> um, so, so that makes me really bullish. Um, Now you zoom out. The funny thing is in all their materials, it's 2030. 2030 is when all this needs to be done. You look at Davos, you look at the Great Reset, everything's 2030. You start remember that number, you'll start seeing it everywhere on Twitter. It'll freak you out a little. Um, Funny enough, I actually think that the super cycle for Bitcoin is probably 2030. And So in in the greater sense of things, you have this really wild narrative where the exact people that Bitcoin is supposed to defeat are trying to place us in what they believe is the perfect prison. Um, It will probably, you know, and and they have a strong incentive to do that because I think they believe they won't have a long cycle after that, right? Because they'll have all the mechanisms they need. They won't, it'll be done, right? And that's why they've tried to launch a type of authoritarianism Every monetary reset.
0: Be able to have a forever cycle. Is that what you're saying? Yes,
1: exactly. That's what they want. But at the same time as this is happening, you have Bitcoin that seems to be on pace to permanently cement the individual, permanently cement uh, the nuclear family, and basically reshape society such that the autonomy is is back where it should be um, in order to preserve the ability to have free will, to have natural rights. And so, um, yeah, I think we're going to fly extremely close to the sun. And that's why you see that, you know, I've made my Twitter private and I've, I've been spending a lot of time uh, doing things to be um, a little more careful because I think in the next eight years will be um, something. Um, however, I, I, I do think that um, that, Satoshi knew that greed wins. Um, Satoshi knew that these authoritarians have entered a pact with each other to capture the world, but they can't trust each other. And so they're going to buy Bitcoin. Why do you say that? Well, they're taking extremely massive risks and they're past the point of no return and they all have an agreed on schedule, but they have these headwinds. Bitcoin is a headwind. Balkanization is a headwind. Um, Oh, uh, and we'll get to mining next. I think that's where we should go. But uh, mining moving to stranded energy is a massive headwind because it it destroys their, it's very hard to attack with the the narrative they spent a decade building. Um, and, And so that's, making it where they're getting sloppy. And I think they've shown themselves a handful of times in the last two years and normal people have seen it and like, what the hell is happening. Um, and so that is probably giving them fear because the stakes are everything. The stakes are their forever monopoly on uh, time theft is they had to put it on the table. They're going, you know, they're going all in and they've already gone past the point of no return. So um, they're cornered animals at this point, and and um, that's why I think they're being sloppy. That's why they're racing and seeing how much they can get away with because they can't simply go back. You know, the Pandora's box has already opened on you know Bitcoin blockchain. So this is it. They know, you know, they know that uh, this is happening. The the it's either the sort of decentralized revolution or it's the, um, the capturing of mankind into permanent central planning and probably based on like some AI, right? They know it's either or, they know they can't go back to the old soft money system. So this is it. And, and so their best bet is to export what they have in China, uh, make that the system for the world. And um, this is why, you know, I think if, if you don't have this framing you're completely lost. You're completely unable to contend with what's happening, and you're unable to strategize and understand what to do um, because you're so zoomed in that if we start a conversation of like, "Hey Marty, ESG is good, bad, right?" It's just people bickering about the um, the the endpoints of the node instead of, uh, of of the graph. Instead of looking at the whole tree and saying, you know, um, let's let's discuss the whole the whole picture. Um, and then ESGs. And, and, and so, um, these people can't trust each other because they're making a hail Mary because it's all on the line. And because of that, they need a, a life jacket too. They know that if they scuttle this, uh, that's kind of it for them. And so I suspect what you're seeing is they are just in case, buying Bitcoin, Um, because it's 180 countries and how do you know uh, that they're all following through? How do you know they're not buying Bitcoin? How do you know the other families that you're shaking hands with aren't buying Bitcoin? How do you know that they're not hedging, that you're not going along with the thing that, you know? And so all you have to do is look at history. Every monetary reset, the elite protected themselves by buying hard assets. Mm-hmm. And 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 every monetary reset, they got out of soft markets and they went into uh, tangible, hard commodities and monies and things that would hold their value. And and that and there is a competition amongst those things, and it is becoming painfully clear that Bitcoin is winning the competition. And so, if you are of this stature, of this family, do you buy the loser in the wealth preserving? competition or do you buy the winner? Um, and so this is where I think what's actually happening is they're hedging against each other they're getting sloppy we have balkanization we have Bitcoin uh, on track for the super cycle at the same time they need to finish steering this thing and, and launching the new narrative. Uh, I, I would be pretty freaked out um, and so I you know for me I'm actually net bullish. But I, I see that uh, we need people of courage and, and, and clear speech to actually break these things down. And, um, and so people can think rationally that this isn't a pandemic. This isn't um, about uh, uh, you know, white supremacy. Uh, this isn't about climate change. Um, this isn't about uh, 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 you know, cyber, this isn't about ransom attacks. Right, um, th- this is about uh, monetary reset and exporting um, the, the China flavor of, of authoritarianism to the entire world. And um, and thank God for Bitcoin. Thank God for the United States of America that we you can do the geo arbitrage and that you can actually become like a stick in the mud to tyranny because that would let us buy eight years because we're not going to do the heavy lifting. Bitcoin is, right? What we need to do is become um, highly sticky and and uh, and and highly um, uh, dug in in places where freedom—it's uh, just really you know costly to erode.
0: Agreed. And so I guess with all that being said, so I have a, again, I love that you're just able to go on these cogent rants and so i have many many thoughts so wasn't their original plan like 2021 was one? Wasn't like agenda 2021 something they put out in the early 90s and so like i guess what i'm trying to get at there has their plans already been pushed off by almost a decade because of yeah, I... headwind that they did not foresee mainly probably the internet and social media
1: Yeah. So if you look at the globe, yeah. And and this is the other thing that you have to zoom out on. So if you look at the globalism, globalism grift, um, it's gone on this whole long cycle and you can see way, you can go find the roots of it. And it's basically um, pretty close after world war two. And, and they really quickly got on the Malthusian stuff and, and got on the uh,
0: a bunch of Nazis into the CIA to do all this stuff.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, brought nazis into the, the united nations and uh, the geneva uh, you know it, it's kind of like all the the globalist orgs have have um uh questionable uh authoritarian uh beginnings um but but if if you look at that there's a they've laid down a whole slew of grifts in the last uh, 60 80 years and some have gotten traction and some haven't and so you know, I view it as um, there's these different pillars of the great reset they need. They've always known about them and they've been trying to sort of figure out a way to lay each one down and some have not succeeded. And so um, the 20, agenda 21 kind of, I think it got the things moving, um, but really it seems to be that they 2030 is when, there seems to be two chapters, 2030 and 2050 seem to be what, what they're on now in 2030 is they essentially need um, every part of the great reset um, happening in one part of the world. Um, and, 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 and in some parts, they want all of it happening. And I look at places like Israel and I look at places like uh, New York and, and um, California and, and, and um, New Zealand, um, Australia, I mean, Australia, Canada, right. So you can look and see um, Ireland, UK, and you look and see, um, they're running experiments to see how what's the most effective way to roll this beast out. And um, if you think the 2030 stuff, the Great stuff, reset stuff is bad, um, the net zero 2050 stuff is—it's basically um, a world of extreme rationing, where um, it, it's it's extreme. It's 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 very worrying. Um, and but but it's a world where it's a kind of like energy. For me, not for the world, where the um, where currency has lost such meaning, you know where you basically have serfs that are controlled by a social score and believe that energy usage is, is extremely selfish, but then they get awarded it and and uh, a society is based on this kind of energy hierarchy where um, Well, let's just say there's not very much freedom or flourishing in the 2050 vision. And and a lot of the ESG stuff looks modeled after net zero. Um, And this is where we get into the ESG conversation where, you know, I've heard from you and I've said the same thing, which is ESG looks a little bit like the, the, you know, the green report cards, they look a little like the two weeks to stop the spread equivalent. Of extreme energy rationing.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, um, where it's like, okay, well, let's just standardize the way we talk about our energy, and, and then let's just put that forth. And okay, then let's also make a a soft money incentive for the people who you know who uh, virtue signal the hardest, pull them in closer to the state, pull them in closer to the money printer. They get kind of used to that. Um. But this is actually where we start to differ in opinions because I know you've been strongly, well, I, I've heard a lot of things from you. I've heard that you're kind of frustrated that people don't see it for what it is and they seem to be getting bamboozled, but, you know, they're so zoomed in and they're like green report cards, duh. Right. Um, so I hear that. I also hear that, you know, you're, you're extremely hesitant because you feel like we're, we're playing directly into the hands. It's like exactly what they want.
0: Yes. So those two are true and then I would add my perspective. is like people are like you just have to play into it like again this is the frame you put in for me you play the incentive game put put in front of you and try to play it in such a way that you beat them at their own game it's yes been okay, that so- has been the tactic that people who don't agree with me put forth is like your tactics are wrong we need to play this way in this incentive system where my argument is it is so hypocritical and illogical and ass backwards that if you put the effort in to highlight where it's hypocritical ass backwards and illogical people will basically come to my side and be like all right yeah you're right this doesn't make any sense uh, yeah,
1: and I, and I and I think the other criticism of this kind of um, position is like, hey, we can't stop everything and fight every politically unpopular ideological battle, right? That's like the the argument is like, hey, you can't just pump the brakes every time something in the world exists that you don't like the shape of it, and Bitcoin is like, you know, starting to make contact with, and I I think that characterizes the, you know, kind of like the hey stop there is kind of the like, hey, stop messing with adoption no matter what, <laughs> right, uh, view.
0: Yes. Yeah. And if like I were... You're making too much noise, they're going to clamp down yep. on others probably. Yeah, and then
1: like, oh, you're slowing it down. You're slowing it all down. As if the the strong incentives to protect yourself weren't enough, right? As if like, no, we also need MSNBC to be saying it's green, it's green, which is, which. I, I think what I would say is, first of all, there's a huge naivety that, that, a naivete that if we produce green, green report cards, that the narrative industrial complex is suddenly going to spin our way. Exactly. Um, they're marching to the beat of the of of what they've been told uh, in order to, uh, to to make this monetary reset happen. So they're not going to change. Um, tunes, if anything, we provide more granular data, that'll just be leveraged against us to create new, more convincing narratives. Um, so I think the, the people that say, um, you know, let's try and convince CNN or, or what, you know, whatever, there's New York Times that Bitcoin's green and that's going to let all this money come in because people will suddenly not be on the side of central banking, you know, like uh, I, I don't see, uh, that's not convincing to me. Um, and actually, I think if I, if I were to say the only thing that maybe has any traction with me and the thing that gives me pause is so given everything we've talked about, given the fact that we know that ESGs are a poison pill, that, you know, they're not, they're not to, to, to save the world, okay, <laughs> they're not here to save the world. Um, I, I think if I were to steel man your argument even further, you would say they're a way to introduce a market and a centralizing market incentive pull the miners closer to the money printer closer to the state um get them used to soft money incentives you basically corrupt them turn them into cronies instead of freedom fighters right um and and where does that lead i mean well that leads to well it could lead to a handful of things and i've thought through this like maybe it leads to um, uh, uh, censorship, right? Maybe it leads to like, oh, you know what? We're really addicted to these soft money incentives. We really like our, you know, our relationship with the state that we've kind of earned by virtue signaling. And we're not gonna, you know, give all that up in order to ensure that some transactions aren't censored. Come on, right? Come Mm -hmm. on like some transactions, you know, this type of, you start to see the slippery slope there. (laughs) It's like, okay. Um, The other thing is you could imagine um, a narrative, an anti-POW narrative emerging, right? Where those people who have sort of gotten closer to the money printer, where, wow, they'd have a lot to gain if we went to like a proof of stake type of thing. And already you see the central uh, bankers uh, trying to, seed a narrative about uh, energy usage, you know, it's it's already not about how green is the energy production. It's all already becoming about how much energy um, is being used. And so, you know, these central banking digital currencies won't be proof of work. And there seems to be a concerted narrative against proof of work coming from the establishment this time, this time. the same type of things we've seen with shitcoiners coiners all along, and no doubt they will applaud that. Um, so, I think that's your view, Marty, and I, I share that view, which is to say um, we shouldn't be naive <laughs> about what this is, All right? We shouldn't pretend this is about, uh, um, uh, you know, saving the earth.
0: Agreed. I think you articulated it better than I can because I'm too dumb, but I think. So, what, what, I guess, what tactic do you think is most advantageous for Bitcoiners to deploy okay
1: well yeah so i've gone back and forth and and surprising to many of the people that follow me i actually think green report cards are the right chess move i'll put it that way and here's why not be like one i think we should not be naive and we should talk about you know we're not playing a game against the environment we're playing a game against central bankers right okay so let's not be naive and let's talk about it the game theory in that sense And, and then let's talk about the actual risk model, which is to say, we think that it could lead to centralization of mining, and that could lead to either attack on POW or um, uh, censorship, right, in such a way that, uh, you know, uh, CBDCs um, remain a very strong contender, maybe it's equal playing field, or maybe they can erode this to only be like an institutional um, store of value where you can never custody it or this type of thing. Um, So let's not be naive that that that's where this could lead. And let's talk through that. Now, I I start I start thinking about what are the headwinds to that? You know what I mean? What are the things that actually stand in that way and uh, stand in the way? And so I, I look at it kind of this way. They're playing the game, too. And what they're willing to do is let a bunch of companies on the fence who need just to be an argument that they can throw at people like, you know, Give me a green argument that I can say why we're throwing all this money at Bitcoin. They're willing to let us arm them with that and accept all this new capital, okay? So they're willing to give us a, a probably a step function of uh, adoption, a large, you know, an order of magnitude increase in adoption. And, and what they think they're getting in return is a leash <laughs> on Bitcoin, mm-hmm. right? But the headwinds to that, as far as I see it, are a couple things. One, the narrative of maximalism is turning to be out to turning out to be quite potent. this sort of immune reaction to things that attack the ultimate goal of Bitcoin, which is to cement the individual, right? These people are turning out to, well, it's attracting a greater and greater amount of people who realize, you know, this is kind of the conservatism they were always looking for, right? Having it um, uh, manifest in the money is the way to get all the things you care about. And so there's people that have their eyes on this and are not going to shut up. So number one, the conversation we're having is critical. I, I, I don't think that we should be, you know, quote unquote, just letting it happen without any scrutiny. I think that's absurd. Um, so, so, any uh, dissent you've gotten about, like why even talk about it? I think just that that way, that that to me is offensive. I think we should be talking about it, and if people are upset that maximalists are chewing on this stuff, that to me is um, well, that that really isn't in the best interest of Bitcoin. The scrutiny must be applied. It should come from maximalists. It should be unending, and it will be. Um, so one, I, I see that, and I and that make, makes me feel good. Two. Um, The stranded energy thing changes things. Mm -hmm. You have the cronyest effects of ESG coupons versus the strong, productive, capitalist, entrepreneurial effects of finding stranded energy. And when I actually view it as a trade, like, okay, you're going to give me all these people who don't want to fight the political game, right? They don't want to get dragged into it you're gonna let me arm them with green report cards so that they can just buy Bitcoin, right? And all I have to do is defend against that leash that you think you're getting with stranded energy mining. And uh, that starts to change how I look at it, right? Cause I almost look at it as we're doing the tango with these Malthusians. It is the first time that Bitcoin's making contact with the central bankers in this kind of intimate way. It is the first time we're kind of making a deal with them. Um, But I actually believe that the trade is worthwhile because as Bitcoin gets, um, as mining becomes harder and harder to co-opt and attack because it's being attracted to stranded energy, as that's attracting capitalists who see that this is genius, right? There's energy that is not being used, cannot be used. They're, they're chasing, uh, flourishing for themselves. They're increasing the defense of Bitcoin. At the same time, the adoption mechanism is attracting more and more mindshare. So it's, it's forcing orange pills and all these people who were neutral, who just wanted a better portfolio composition. So it's attracting more mindshare to defend Bitcoin. So then I look at it as the, I zoom out and I look at it as these different forces. You have the forces of regulatory capture through ESGs, right? Mm-hmm. And, and like the conversion of, crony, uh, of of honest miners into cronies, right? Mm-hmm. But what we get is a bunch of adoption by big money, these big funds, what have you. And then on the defense side, you have the, the engine of capitalism driving the defense of Bitcoin in terms of mining. People attracted to that. And I say, is that a good trade? And Marty, I got to tell you, I think it might be a better trade than saying than simply saying. Um, well, not only that, not only do I think it might be a better trade, I think it's actually moot that uh, we can convince people not to lean into the cronyist um, uh, 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 incentives of the state, even Bitcoin miners. I think the mining council will move forward no matter how many maxis uh, uh, observe. <laughs> what is occurring um, and a notice, I should say. Um, and uh, so I think that's happening. So then I say, well, let's put our focus on how, how sure are we that the strategy for defending Bitcoin is going to work. And I think we need to defend it for eight years. <laughs> that's what I think we need to do. I think we need to deliver Bitcoin through 2030. Because I think it will gut the the money printing mechanism permanently after that. Um, and so does stranded energy give us a story to defend it? And are these globalists, are these central bankers, are the Malthusian elite, are, are we stepping into their trap or are they stepping into Satoshi's trap?
0: See, I guess that's... That's probably where we depart, right?
1: I hear it. Tell me, tell me where I'm.
0: No, I can see the trade-off, but even with stranded, wasted energy too. Like even if it does make it significantly more distributed, I don't think it's order of magnitude harder to shut that down. And I don't think we have to wait till 2030. Again, going back to I, let me preface all of this with I completely see where you're coming from, and I I do see the validity in that argument, I guess. My pushback would be, again, they're getting... Yep, let's go. All right, we're back. Some technical difficulties there. Recording got stopped abruptly out of nowhere and to wait for that file to convert. Laser huddle. It's all saved. I checked the whole recording. I didn't lose an hour and a half, thank God. But where we left off before... Uh, The interruption was I was explaining where we may depart. And I think uh, while I was waiting for that file to convert, I was thinking about how I want to articulate this and I was rambling. And I think this is more succinct. I believe the internet changes uh, the variables to these types of plans, particularly the the plan to transition to a digital panopticon by 2030 uh, because it expedites. What have traditionally been repeatable and predictable cycles throughout the age. So, what I'm trying to get at here is again, I think the Kabbalah, if you will, everyone to describe this power structure is getting extremely sloppy to the point where I don't, I don't think it can subsist for another eight and a half years without falling flat on its face and people just walking away from it. I mean, today we have. Prime examples of this, Andrew Cuomo coming out, uh, or not coming out, he was being found guilty by an uh, in internal audit by the New York Attorney General's office that he was sexually assaulting women, um, somebody who's in, who probably would be considered in the power structure they've been describing throughout the last hour and a half uh, as a leader, a hero, if you will. He was the hero of COVID, even though he probably led to Uh, was responsible directly for an innumerable amount of deaths by sending the old folks back to the nursing homes where the disease spread and and led to tens of thousands of deaths. We have, again, going back to the vaccine, particularly if the trend that has been playing out over the last few weeks continues and the vaccine proves to be ineffective to a point where it has many individuals questioning why they believed it was going to be a panacea uh, in the first place, and then beginning to question the power structure that that led them down this wrong path. Um, I, I think that uh, can add uh, add to the ex- expedition of their their unraveling, and then um, what you described earlier is the, the, the probability of for deflection. Or excuse me, not deflection, defection um, between the power players in that power structure is so high and again, the Bitcoin price going up, um, makes it so, yeah, I got my son sneaking in here. Um, the the probability of defection rises significantly as the price of Bitcoin (laughs) rises as well. All right, buddy, I'll be right down. sorry if that got distracting towards the end there, but do you see where I'm coming from with that?
1: Oh yeah. You got kids. I got, I got cats in this room and it's a welcome, uh, interruption i think yeah i do see where you're going with it i think you know in regards to the vaccine and and the push for vaccine passports i think you have 100 million people in the u.s alone that haven't taken it that have the same kind of views as myself and like liberty blitz michael krieger it's like listen there's a line the line is bodily autonomy we're not willing to deliver to the next generation a world where you're not in control of your own body. And I think it's not a small group just cause you don't see them on, I mean, you know, you don't see them in the media and social uh, media. Cause you know, we've been freed, not canceled, but we've been canceled. Um, it's a hundred million and they'll be balkanizing in free states. So I think that's a significant headwind that is, allows people to be enough of a stick in the mud to tyranny that that buys you I think a, a very, well, I'm bullish on that Buying being a reasonable defense uh, over the next eight years for the course of monetary reset, which is, like you said, it makes the whole thing, it throws the whole thing in the question. It makes it very shaky. Um, I think uh, encryption, uh, th- they waited too long to uh, clamp down on encryption. Encryption really is like the last freedom. And so you can, uh, there's plenty of, of services you can use. You can leave big tech. You can use things like ProtonMail, column Proton there, uh, uh, Molvad VPN. You can use things like Sync instead of Google Drive. You can use things um, uh, like matrix.org and, and and Session for secure messaging. So, you know, the idea that they would be able to make an entirely KYC internet, you know, you, when you can, you know, de-Google your phone and put graphene OS on like, it's, it's, there's, there's a, there's tricks to this stuff and it's growing the group of people that see the necessity for it. So I think that's a significant headwind to making the internet a panopticon. Um, even, even like casual people are like dumping Google for DuckDuckGo, right? So there, there's a real move there. Um, and, uh, I do think they're getting sloppy, and it's falling apart. And even with ESGs, I think that it ends up being their own demise. Because I think what happens is uh, they kind of green light all these people that are on the on the the fence, like green light them. I'm like, okay, we're not going to come raise hell, right? And and that attracts all this mind share. And the thing that they're underestimating is once your mind share is attracted to Bitcoin, it has a way of defending Bitcoin, and and. The idea that they're going to be um, pulled back to the the soft money system after holding Bitcoin for any amount of time, we know that it changes you, um, and also the headwinds on stranded energy. Um, you know, Saudi Aramco, it's the I think the third biggest company in the world, um, announced they were going to start uh, mining Bitcoin, and so
0: that, that came out as they came out and said that uh, it was like some shitty crypto publication that. Oh, really bad rumors, but
1: I I still think these forces like, um, and, and, and again, I still think these forces are strong. They're strong enough that that type of news wouldn't surprise me. Right. And, uh, you have El Salvador coming online. Who's going to be number two. Is it going to be Mexico? Is it going to be Paraguay? Um, so I, you know, I, I think there is a large battle between individual freedom and, and sort of the perfect, Prison of uh, AI central planning and and you know totalitarian surveillance, and I, I think I really like the side of freedom. I feel pretty good about the headwinds. I think uh, voluntary flourishing is always going to beat fear based ca- you know uh, huddling under the state. I think that that is a spell that doesn't last. And as you have Texas becoming the mining cent, uh, you know. Uh, the mining uh, kind of main location of the world in florida and people not having to be in lockdowns not having to present their medical papers to go into the grocery store um you know not being subject to booster after booster like how many boosters do you think you can take uh seriously um uh, people are gonna see that and, and so as long as there's arbitrage i think uh bitcoin will attract more mindshare um, and I don't think that these um, people steering the long cycle trust each other enough to to dive into each other's arms and not buy Bitcoin. So I think um, you know Satoshi really he knew that greed wins. I think um, anybody who thinks Bitcoin is stepping into their trap is fooling themselves. I think there is only one trap, and it is Bitcoin. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's that's kind of like why I ended up full circle saying, you know what. Give them their green report cards. Give it to them. You know, if they're willing to risk feeding people the orange pill, they're braver than I am.
0: I can see that. There is an aspect <laughs> of the ESG too where it's just literally not profitable. Like, it, and so we we had an example out of Japan. There was a Wall Street Journal article that sort of went under the radar. I think it came out like two Fridays ago uh and basically describe that a lot of the pension funds in japan have decided to divest from esg focused investments that they made because they weren't being profitable uh and japan specifically has a very large looming demographic crisis on their hand where their population is extremely old and a lot of a good portion of their population is moving into retirement and when push came to shove the, the pension managers had to prioritize profitability and the, the retirement funds of the individuals they're representing over the LARPing about the environment, social and governance, wokeness, uh, whatever ESG is or would describe itself as. Um, so there are a pricing mechanism, econ- economic, even with the, the pull of the Cantillon effect and the proximity to the money printer, even that doesn't have actual
1: uh,
0: quality returns that are, that are necessary in a portfolio.
1: Well, and I guess the, you look at the previous lung cycles, there's a complete falling out of confidence in, in government money every time, every time. And so oh, they're, saying, they're saying, oh, that up. oh what's that? I said
0: thank you for bringing that up. Go on to what you're going to say. And then I'm. Yeah.
1: So they're saying, okay, we're going to wrap this little soft money leash around you. We'll let you. We'll let you walk around with your green report cards, and you could buy Bitcoin because you got them. But we're putting this ESG leash around you. And as their conviction in Bitcoin is growing, it's gonna. Their conviction in government money is gonna fall through. It's gonna. Uh, it's gonna disintegrate. The timing of that is really interesting. to because this is another reason why I think they might be stepping into Bitcoin's trap and not the other way around. If you look at history, the reason I say monetary reset takes 10 years is, well, the actual controlled demolition of the monetary order doesn't. Like, you know, you kept mentioning, I don't think it's going to take 10 years. No, it's not. The, the fast part goes is happening now. <laughs> the fast part will probably climax in uh, months or low years. Um and, and that's the the scary part. It's 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 once it's all completely collapsed, that's when they actually roll out the new thing. And so you know you can look at each of these um, these big uh, kind of fear events that we're having as uh, you know they're they're demolishing pillar at a time of society, and then they'll be able to roll out this great reset. And it takes a while for trust to to come back. And up until now, every country has got in line with this game because it's the only game. They need to be somewhere in the monetary monetary hierarchy in order to function at all. But now, all of a sudden, there's a new game. Now, all of a sudden, you can have your foot kind of in the Bitcoin door and you can keep an eye on the the long cycle and how monetary reset is going on. And if you don't like how you're being treated and you're kind of getting sick of this game, you could like go in Bitcoin's direction a little more and um, if you're at the end of the totem pole, like El Salvador or, or, you know, you name it, dozens and dozens of countries, you're like, listen, we're never going to get any fair spot in the monetary order. We're never going to get that. Why are we playing this game? And, and that's kind of the, the effects. I, these are the forces I see happening right now. So you think you're capturing all these miners and you're going to turn them into cronies, but really it might be that the way it plays out is that you actually accelerated, um, the, the, the mindshare suck into the Bitcoin black hole. That's
0: a good point. Nah, um, I do have to pay credence to it. Like it does, it does seem like a good strategy. I guess. But
1: I think what I will say is like, also us talking about this helps me sleep better knowing that we're not leaving any stones unturned because I, I genuinely was disturbed by the fact that we were kind of going to roll out the red carpet for Davos <laughs> this is kind of what it seemed like. It's like, let's take on the ESGs without any discussion. And by the way, like um, CoinDesk is having, you know, World Economic Forum presenting and CoinCenter is having them at a dinner. And like, let's just do that without talking about it. Like, you know, from the people that brought you 18 months of lockdowns and and all this BS that we're seeing, movement licenses and all this chaos from those people, like, let's just let them slide into the Bitcoin industry and like, oh, don't talk about it. You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to offend adoption. <laughs> it's like, give me a break.
0: Yeah, no, th- I mean, we, uh, I would consider the state of the network, the social layer of the network completely and defunct if these conversations weren't happening and maybe yes maybe that's my my own malthusian uh subconscious being like all right if nobody's gonna do it maybe you should be that stick in the mud right, thorn in the side to, to push. Well, i
1: think you should and i think you should i think there's some things we have to be aware of at least like so first of all um the Overton window, which is kind of like the the range of things which are politically unpopular, I, it's my view that that's a carefully crafted uh, uh, window. What is politically incorrect and and very unpopular and polarizing, and and that they carefully stuff things in there, um, and and so you know people like a sailor, he can't come within a hundred feet of the Overton window. He can't come within a, you know, a football field of that thing. And so Maxie should probably, um, I mean, I don't love it, but I get that we're not going to be able to pull him into that. Um, And so he's always going to have to play the game. Um, But that doesn't mean we should be naive. I mean, you know, the way that esgs were presented to the bitcoin space were like surprise like this is we're all doing this now you know you yeah the mining council's like look at the thing we're doing with with but if you just zoomed out a little you could see um you could see uh klaus Schwab from the world economic forum meeting with biden you could see um uh, uh larry fink on tv talking that green report cards are coming down the pipeline uh, you know that uh, Davos probably told Biden, This is happening. You know that Biden probably told the titans of industry, Hey, this is happening. Here's what's in it for you. You know that BlackRock got really excited, and BlackRock owns a big piece of Tesla and probably told Elon, Hey, here's how you're paying this. And you know that BlackRock owns a big piece of MicroStrategy. So, you know, there's a real game, stakes are high. If you believe Sailor is a good actor, which I do, I feel like I have a reasonable read of his heart of all the hours of of, of uh, content. I think he's 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 a good actor. I know I have to. We have to take a risk on him in some respects, but at the same time, like we won't we won't be able to pull him into the Overton window. I'm I'm positive of that, and so um, I want to focus my, at least my mind cycles on can Bitcoin withstand it anyways? And can we benefit from it anyways? And I came to a place of peace, which is, I think it can. I think it somehow is good for Bitcoin anyways. (laughs) Despite all of this, despite this whole conundrum, despite this is the first time Bitcoin is colliding with the central bankers in a intimate and up close way. We're doing the tango of all tangos, the final dance, you know, the, the, the final boss, so to speak, I still think um, they're walking into Bitcoin's trap.
0: I can get down with that. And, I, and I, I do want to give, I don't want to give myself credit, but I do want to, or nor defend myself, but just put out there that I had consistently said throughout this whole posturing against ESG that I don't think it hurts Bitcoin any longer. I don't think any of this can really hurt Bitcoin. It will just hurt the industry budding around it. And particularly here in the United States with the, the ESG movement and how, how strong it is, uh, I think it would just create basically a two tiered mining industry specifically. And you could even take it to the exchange infra- infrastructure as well and, and other services that are being built on top of Bitcoin. It can just create this two tiered um industry within the country within countries that abide by these esg mandates that uh, unfairly benefits the the companies that decide to play ball
1: i think all of that will happen i think you're completely right about that i think when i zoom out i think 2030 people can't get bitcoin out of their mind i think they have the 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 stairs of the long cycle get there narrative off the ground but it's shaky it's fragile it's not taking hold i think the bitcoin mine virus takes over most productive capitalists at that point i think all the cronies that had these soft money incentives realize that they're they're building a house on sand and i think that um bitcoin owns the next uh several centuries and and um there i think it kills the long cycle i think um And then all the things that all these mind viruses, the Malthusian uh, uh, fear spells, I think those crumble in people's hands as people are just pulled towards productivity and voluntary commerce. I think all the Marxist feel-goodisms, I think those crumble as big families emerge that are uh, built on hard money and last the ages, I think, um, and I think uh, I'm really bullish and, and but I'm not naive. This is uh, the most important nine years that that will probably happen in the next several thousand years.
0: Hmm. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. I agreed that this is a very critical juncture in human history. We need to act with a concerted effort to push society when I deem what I believe you deem is the right direction the direction of freedom and away from digital slavery i guess one thing i wanted to add on just for my sanity or not even my sanity but like do you think it's effective to call all of this out make fun of it ridicule it highlight the illog- illogical nature the logical inconsistencies the hypocrisy is it worth all that effort Or is it inconsequential in the long run? Like can we and I
1: accelerate
0: accelerate the transition to a Bitcoin standard?
1: Yes, I think it listen, like Bitcoin fixes the money, but everything else is up to us. And and what it fundamentally it's doing is reestablishing trust in the world. And so Bitcoin has this kind of this community where people are lending each other the benefit of the doubt and trust, assuming that you know, that we we share this value cycle, this, va- this value structure and this desire to cement the individual, to cement the family, to cement voluntary commerce, free markets. And so you don't see that the world is so dishonest and so um, uh, uh, degraded by soft money that we're doing something or returning to something new here. So these conversations are absolutely fundamental because it gives people hope that, that you know, we're not just waiting for the money to do everything. You need to fix the money, but that's really where the work starts. The, these kind of trust networks, this this kind of consensus based on truth. You know, I, I count you in here. I count uh, Liberty Blitz, Michael Krieger in here. I count Joel from Untapped Growth. This kind of this discussion of truth uh, based on the Bitcoin value structure that needs that matters. That that's really important. Because in a world of, on hard money, you, you basically have a society that emerges on voluntary commerce and reputation. And if you don't feel like these conversations are happening, it kind of it kind of puts in question the idea that we're going to be trusting each other to build a new world, right? So that reputation element um, it it, it, act, it absolutely um, rides on people like you who you know basically call bullshit you're like wait we're gonna let all this happen no one's gonna talk about this This is the most important set of years uh that bitcoin's going through and we're not talking about the players and how they're coming into contact with bitcoin so um in order for integrity of the space we absolutely need to um scrutinize every little thing and if people say you know hey why don't you just let it go for adoption i think i think they're wrong I appreciate what you do, Marty, and I think the um, the maximalist space is is meant to do this. It, it doesn't mean that we become dogmatic or cheap in our views. It doesn't mean that we don't rigorously exercise them and we're not open to new data. It just means that you're not going to squeak one by the goalie.
0: No. No, I think this conversation is a perfect example of that, at least for me. I think I, Think I see with a lot more clarity the perspective of the ESG falling into Bitcoin's honey trap. Like I could certainly see that being the case. And again, we'll probably pay more credence to that potentially being the case, as opposed to my hard line, we're falling into their honey trap. Because again, I, I was just thinking in my mind, like if I truly do believe they're sloppy and they're uncoordinated, and they're making mistakes as they attempt to expedite the process of their transition to to the next long game that they want us to be playing, a forever slavery game, Uh, Like to think that playing into the ESG would stop them from being that sloppy and had them clean up their act. And maybe that doesn't make any sense, or that's not consistent. From my, yeah. from my point of view.
1: There's never been a monetary reset where people had an alternative. You just had to shelter in place and hope you made it through and give what they gave you. And this is the first time where at the country level, even at the, at the, every single family level, um, they're tearing down the cycle We're sheltered in place, but then people are kind of going, wait a second. I don't have to do this. We, we don't have to do this. Countries are doing that. So, um, the stakes are insanely high. These, this is uh, terrifying and exciting times. And um, uh, I'm just, I really, you know, thank God for Bitcoin. Seriously, I'm just, I, I mean that with every uh, ounce of my person.
0: Nah, nah, I, mean, I mean, I I completely wholeheartedly agree. Thank God for Bitcoin. Like, But thank God for Bitcoin to the point where I'm like, did God send Bitcoin? Like, is this like some biblical intervention well, where it's like, we need to reset like humanity needs um, like a, div- a divine intervention to get back on the right path. And was Bitcoin that divine intervention? And it might sound crazy to people, but that crosses my mind quite a bit.
1: Well, I mean, why are they both? Co- why is this epic clash seem to be concluding at 2030? Why, how is that timing so perfect? Um, yeah. I'm with you. Like is, <laughs> did authoritarianism is it taking a step too far when it attempts to permanently eliminate the free will of every person if it it attempts to turn people into zoo animals you know at what point are you offending god where he you know uh, lifts his finger and allows something like a bitcoin to slay authoritarianism to slay money printing forever i I don't know i mean i i um i think there's something to that right i think there's something to because you know, people say like, oh, why doesn't God stop like a, a baby from dying or stop this terrible disease? It's, I don't think it's uh, God's purpose to um, stop tragedy and suffering, right? Like he created humans and humans are finite and we have faults. So all the tragedy and suffering is coming from us, right? It's, it's, um, I think that suits God just fine because despite all that suffering, you get people who still want good, who still turn to him, who still Um, who actually come to learn that the suffering is important because you turn to God. But I think where you might um, really test or or tempt him is when you say, I'm actually going to eliminate the ability for people to have free will, the ability for people to turn towards good, the ability for people to build themselves up and become someone that is worthy of God. And so that's where, you know, there's, you know, when people talk about this as a cabal and they talk about it as Satan worshiping, you know, yes, that can sound very, you know, colorful and 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 all the things that people used to discredit it as conspiracy theory. But at the same time, there's some real weight to the fact that what authoritarianism attempts to do is completely eliminate free will. And free will is the one mechanism that you can use to steer yourself towards God. And and so um Not to say that, you know, Bitcoin is God's money or Bitcoin is God, but I think there's merit to the idea that it might be an instrument that basically is just saying, "Mm, nah, that's a step too far. We're going to make you redo it, and this time without the ability to perpetrate mass usury on the entire planet. Yeah.
0: I mean it feels that way at least to me that's as far as i go i know the freaks get crazy when i talk about religion or covet or vaccines but that's the way it feels to me and uh and some i get it thought crosses my mind quite often particularly as the yeah i mean i know you freaks know that i call the people in the power structure demons that's because I, I, I do think there is some validity to the fact that they have evil intentions uh
1: Yeah, I think when you characterize it that way, um, the people on the other end can easily uh, uh, basically pull you into the Overton window and you become um, unpopular to engage with and 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 so i'm careful to use neutral language that hasn't been pulled in but look, I don't think you're wrong, (laughs) I think there's very real merit to um, you know. The 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 type of Satanism that people think that these bankers are following is kind of like a Luciferianism. So with Luciferianism, it's kind of man versus nature. And if you think about like the Malthusian spells, it's all like we are threatening nature. We need to be dialed back to preserve nature. And that's very Luciferian. um, The idea that, uh, uh, you know, we are spoiling earth. Earth is this heaven for the, 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 the powerful. And so they need to actually constrain us in order for, um, heaven to be preserved that, you know, of their own creation. And and some even go very far with, with this line of thinking. And they say, you know, the vaccines are, um, a route to transhumanism so that they can run experiments on the population and use that to evolve themselves into angels and sort of defeat or embarrass God. Listen, I there is merit to that narrative. I get it, especially from theists and Christians. I really strongly understand that. Um, what I, what my thing is, is to frame it in neutral terms. Frame it as monetary reset, because everyone from all sides of the pie gets that. They get that that money is power, and that's what this is. But you know, I, I'm in a free state now. I'm surrounded by God fearing people, and we have those conversations. And, and there's real weight and merit to it. So I know the freaks. Um, you know, because you have people from all over the political spectrum. And so I know the freaks are like, oh, man, here we go with that stuff. But uh, I think there's real merit to it. But this, what I tell everyone universally is this is monetary reset. This is monetary reset, everything you're going through. And it that really helps people. It really does.
0: Yeah, simplifying it, mm-hmm. putting it in terms that are understandable and pointing to data in the real world observations that can be made to." to harpen it back to monetary reset is very powerful having a very simple concept to, to harpen everything back to and, and say hey how does this help monetary reset and yeah a vaccine passport turn to your cbdc wallet um you can begin creating that social credit score that that pushes you into that panopticon and, and towards reset. And no, I think it's very powerful framing and uh, perspective from which, or lens from which to view all of this. Um,
1: and even my progressive friends admit there's a population element to this. And the, a lot of the Malthusian stuff comes out of population size and that there is a eugenics streak with these uh, folks and, and uh, eugenics ambitions and, um, and they do, recognize that the this push for you know biannual whatever boosters is it does kind of grant those people access to your veins right so it kind of put you know um there's a view that this might give them a dial in which they can control the size of population and i certainly can empathize that like i see how those dots are connected i don't you know but I still, I, I, I warn people not to fixate on COVID uh, origins or the vaccine too much because, again, you don't want to get in the trap of zooming in too far. If you stay zoomed out appropriately, um, that this is monetary reset, you might end up with a couple like guidelines for yourself, which is like, yeah, probably don't take state medicine during monetary reset. That's probably not what you want to do. Um, you probably don't want to be in a place that's allowing or rolling out vaccine passports. That wouldn't be super smart in monetary reset. Um, you probably want to have a good hang on like power and food security. And I'm not saying start a farmstead, but there's all sorts of stuff you could do just to, um, to build some redundancy in your own life, including just getting a space freezer and networking with people like uh, Untapped or networking with farmers in your area, localism, um, you know, you probably want to lean into more like secure tech and get off of big tech and get into, you know, freedom, owner control devices, freedom, preserving uh, tech. I talked about graphene and proton mail, proton calendar and secure messaging like session and matrix org. There's a, there's a good list. And so like, if, if you view the world through monetary reset, there is things you can do. It's not helpless. There's a game theory. You can move down the risk gradient. You could become a stick in the mud to tyranny And um, if you look at history, the silver lining is there's a big horde of people who see monetary reset happening and simply vote with their feet. In our case, you would vote with your feet, with your money, and you would vote digitally as well in terms of what tech you use. And uh, you really do have a lot of control over your situation, um, a lot more than they want you to believe.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Just take some efforts, freaks. We just gotta put a little bit of effort in. We can, we can win this. Do you think we're gonna win? Are we gonna win?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't even, I don't even question it. I know we are going to. Um, and honestly, I'm grateful for all the suffering that we're being put through because it's going to force us to become the strong men that create good times. And it's, there's no way out of this. The way is through. When you're going through hell, keep going, freaks.
0: Hell yeah. Well, Laser Huddle. This has been. An incredible conversation. I think this one's going to blow up in a good way.
1: Well, my Twitter is private, so uh, I will try and field the follower request the best I can.
0: Yeah, I can field some messages from for you too. I know we just you just gave some good advice and some optimistic spin on anything. But before we leave, is there anything you want to get off your chest uh, that you think we should touch on?
1: No, if you you know, I'll allow a small select group of people to follow me on Twitter. I'll be producing papers anonymously on how to um, uh, uh, how to adapt uh, your family, prepare uh, for the rest of Monetary Reset to opt out of the worst parts of it and put yourself in a position to be sovereign um, and really lean into the super cycle. So I'll, I'll be publishing those out of my Twitter. So if you care about this type of stuff, follow me on Twitter at Laserhoddle. Um, I am private, but I will, uh, do my best to screen your Twitter and, and make a, a, a judgment call. Um, I don't let any, uh, uh, shit coiners obviously follow me. Um, I don't let any Anons, NIMS only, um, and no traders. So sorry. It is what it is.
0: <laughs> uh, it is what it is. And mentally now. I picture you as your avatar. I, I, I hear you speak, and I'm just imagining the avi that I'm looking at um, speaking these words.
1: Well, if you know um, the lore of the, the cypherpunk space where all this came from, uh, Vince uh, Vinge put out the, the first uh, uh, cyberpunk uh, book, which was True Names. And so this is the character from the front of the True Names book, which kind of started this whole space back in the 80s.
0: True names, freaks, go check it out. Laser Hoddle, thank you again for your time and for your extremely illuminating and clear uh, dissection of what is going on right now and the importance to zoom out and view this from a monetary reset lens. I think that's very helpful um, for people to, to sort of build a, a mental framework from which to react to what's happening, understand what's happening and attempt to, uh, to combat what's happening. So thank you again for your extremely cogent and um, again thorough analysis of of everything that's going on.
1: Thank you, Marty. Thank you, freaks.
0: Have a good have a good day, dude. Um, that's all we got. Peace and love, freaks.